Hello and welcome to Numbers on the Boards. We are making some podcast history on this, the opening night of the 2018-19 NBA season. I say history because I believe that this is the first time that Skin and I have ever podcasted before whenever we're not in the same room. I miss you, man. I miss you too. And you know, obviously, Bobby, there have been huge leaps and bounds made in technology since we started this podcast to allow this miracle to happen. I mean, who would have thought that such a thing was possible? But alas, it is. And I love saying alas. It is, yeah. You're actually, I've beamed you in as a hologram into my hotel room in Scottsdale, Arizona. So it's good to, it is good to see you. Uh, I'll, I'll send out pictures later. Just give, give Skin a follow. He'll tweet them out for you. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, Skin, man. We're in Phoenix. I am so juiced. I had a hard time sleeping last night. Um, I'm just I'm I'm really ready for basketball, man. I don't I don't know how else to put it. I've I've tried to think of like a cool way of saying how excited I am, but I am just like truly so stoked that basketball is back. Yeah, and let me just say, so uh, there's a it always depends on what time of year it is and stuff. There's a two hour difference in Dallas and Phoenix. I saw you tweeting. You were easily up when the sun came up in Phoenix. And I'm assuming you stayed up and watched basketball last night, so I doubt you had much sleep. But I think all of us that are not only Mav fans but NBA fans are feeling that because I think not only is the league in the best place it's been in in a very long time, I think the Mavericks are clearly in the best place they've been in in a long time. And this morning I jumped on the uh, Sean and RJ show on 105 Fan and was hyping up the Mavs and talking Mavs and all this. And uh, as I'm talking, I'm talking crazy fast, and I'm all over the place, and I realize, man, I am exhibiting manic behavior because <laughs> I am so ready for Mavs basketball. I don't know the last time I was this excited. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you that follow-up question. Like, you've been around the Mavs for a very long time. You know, no offense, you're a little older than me, but that means you're more experienced. You've seen a lot yeah. of good basketball around here, and for that I'm jealous because I didn't get to see the 80s. But I'm trying to think of, like, you know, at the beginning of the Dirk Nash Finley era, you know, maybe coming out of that first season when they when they beat the Jazz in the first round, when was the last time where on opening night you were just like, "Holy crap, this is going to be fun!" Like we're at, this is going to be a fun season. There's levels to that, right? I would say one level on opening night would be on one level there was the year where they had uh, after they had made the Nick Van Exel trade at trade deadline the previous year mm-hmm. in Denver. So going into that year, I was bonkers. I would say going into the 06-07 campaign, I was bonkers. I would say going into, uh, in all honesty, I was honestly, I didn't think they were going to win a championship, but I was super excited going into the 10-11 season because of the trade that had been made with Washington, the previous trade deadline, and I thought Tyson was going to be, I didn't think he was going to be what he was for this team, but I was like, dude, with him and Haywood, we got a couple of legit bigs. We're going to be pretty good. Uh, and then I was a, a notch below, but I was excited going into the Chandler Parsons first year. Uh, and I would like to be on record 
record. I mean, I was on record with this. My enthusiasm quickly went to the dumper the second they made the Rondo trade because I wanted nothing to do with Rondo from the jump. I thought it was going to screw up what we had, but I realized why the team made that trade. Mm -hmm. But those are those are just, you know, without going back to the 80s, those come to mind. But quite frankly, the level of excitement with which I have right now probably goes, it, it's really not since. Yeah, and I mean, I guess there's kind of there there are levels like you said because basically any season from 2002 to about 2015, you went in thinking, yeah, they're probably going to win 50 games and you know maybe a couple right. playoff series. This time around, I don't know that either of us expect them to win 50 games. It would be pretty incredible if they did, but just like man, they're going to be so different. It's such a new style of basketball that they're playing. We got two guys who can't even drink who are way better than most people that are their age. Like yesterday, uh, Tim Bontemps' uh, NBA Top 100 player rankings came out, and I'm not a big uh, rankings person, but I just thought it was interesting that Luca and Dennis were two of the six youngest players to make that Top 100 list. And when was the last time that the Mavericks had multiple young players that people were actually like, wow, these guys can play? You know, So there's okay. just there's so many new things. Uh, it came out yesterday, I believe. So that's okay. Tuesday. That's good because you know the uh, there was I think it was the ESPN Top 100, and I believe it was the SI Crossover Top 100 did not have Dennis in there, which I thought was absurd. Really? Um, and uh, but those are you know a couple weeks ago, um, and I think it's possible that people caught some of this preseason action. And was like, yeah, I should probably adjust that a little bit. Um, but I, I thought that that was going to be a real good motivator for Dennis because as far as I can tell, being around the team a little bit leading up, he seemed to have all the right attitude. He seemed to embrace playing with Luca, And I thought that that was going to be the really good proverbial chip on the shoulder. So I kind of like him being off that top 100 list because it's absurd. It's an absurd deletion, first of all, especially when you look at some of the people from 80 to 100 and you're going, what? Yeah. But uh, I, I think to your point, having that dynamic along with DeAndre, along with Harrison, along with Wes, JJ and Dirk and all those guys, I think you look at it and go, it's not like going, hey man, we have uh, Wiggins and Towns and nobody else before Jim Butler got there. It's different because you have Doncic and Dennis with all of these other really good players that they're going to elevate each other. So it's very exciting. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so a little later we're going to talk about the preseason. It's a little, little preseason recap in case you didn't get to see the games. I know obviously those China games were played basically at like 2 in the morning Dallas time, so you might not have watched them. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about the Mavs preseason. We are going to talk about the Western Conference, get some playoff predictions, and then we're also going to talk about tonight's game, which by the way starts at 9.30 Dallas time. You can catch that on Fox Sports Southwest or ESPN if you were listening nationally. And if you're around the world, man, get League Pass and watch the Mavs on League Pass. But first, yeah, first, Skin, I want to uh, rewind. I was going to say fast forward. That lets you know I have been up for a very long time, and I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Um, I want to rewind to last Thursday. We had the Vest of IPs. We had Bobito Garcia in town uh, at Alamo Draft House for a screening of his movie Rock Rubber 45s. The Mavs uh, joined. Basically, you you had this idea with Bobito that he wanted to come to Dallas and uh, and do this screening, so you hatched a plan to get the Mavs involved, and uh, we hopped on board, and 
it, it was just awesome, man. It was really, really, really cool. So I just, I just want to hear kind of your, your thoughts on the night. Obviously, you were really excited that that Bobito was there. I mean, he's like a hero of yours. So it was really cool to see you so excited that that uh, that he was there. I, I was super excited. Uh, because, uh, I just, I love the man. First of all, I think he's a special person, and I think he's an inspiring person. And you know, the things that I'm uh, that motivate me and the things that have motivated him, they sort of intertwine a little bit when you're talking about basketball and hip hop all these things that, you know, I grew up with that go together so well. And so I, you know, I wanted to bring him here and I had the Dallas Film Society involved and I had Josie Records involved, but once, uh, once sent, uh, Cynthia Marshall, our fearless leader, found out that I was doing this, it took her all of five minutes to say, we want this, the Mavericks want to present this. And it, man, it just meant so much to me because, uh, you know, that's, kind of things that the Mavericks organization are trying to represent. I think are a lot of the same ideals that Bobito holds true. And if, I encourage everybody to download the movie or stream it or, you know, it's available on all kinds of platforms. Rock Rubber 45, it's an autobiographical documentary about a guy that did things for all the right reasons and pushed the culture of basketball and pushed the culture of sneakers and pushed the culture of hip-hop to the fullest and also embraced Puerto Rican heritage, and uh, obviously there's some great Puerto Rican ties with the Mavericks, not just with JJ, but with a lot of their season ticket holders. I thought it was awesome that JJ's parents came to the screen yeah. and then danced all night at the after party with us. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I know Bobito is the third time I've seen the movie, but as someone that was new to him, I'm curious what you thought about the movie and just the, the whole night. So whenever you first brought up the, the screening, I knew the name from somewhere, and then I remembered that I knew the name from NBA Street Volume 2, which was a basketball video game for Xbox and PS2. I mean, this came out probably 2003 or 2004. I think Steve yeah. Nash was still on the maps. So that is kind of the, the timetable. And uh, I just thought that he was like the voice of that game. I think his character may have been a playable character in that game, but I didn't really know. And then you started telling me about shoes. He started telling me about streetball, and I was like, oh, yeah, he announced a streetball video game. He must have played. And, uh, he, like, after watching the movie, I'm like, oh, my God, this dude is a real-life Forrest Gump. Like, it's yeah. crazy how some of these people that were in that movie, I mean, like, Patti LaBelle, he, like, lived with Patti LaBelle for a while. Questlove was his, yeah, Questlove was his homie in New York. Chris Paul was in the movie. I mean, like, all these people from different walks of life, uh, you know, primarily people in New York, but... Chris Paul's not from New York, you know? I mean, yeah. there were people from all around the world that were in this movie, uh, from all different walks of life. And, I mean, Bobito's like a shoe guy, basketball guy, music guy. I mean, he did the 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 mic check column, is that what it was called, or sound check column? Sound check column, yeah, right? Yeah, provide, Yeah, and I, I'm almost positive that I read that when I was growing up. And, like, just to, I don't know, man. It was It was wild to see all of these things that he's done. Uh, opening up that sneaker store and then it closes, but then like a year later, sneaker stores are like the most ubiquitous thing in America. Like it's just crazy how he was kind of ahead of the game and helped kind of set the tone for the basketball culture and zeitgeist that we now know. And having like literally no prior knowledge of the guy before watching that movie, I came out thinking like, holy crap, this guy is a, he is a legend. He's a legend. And his vision and passion is what carries everything and I, I also if you're a hip-hop fan i highly recommend 
you watch his second documentary he did, uh, Stretch and Bobbito Radio That Changed Lives, because they didn't even fully have a chance to get into it in his documentary, and plus he's covered it in another film. But his radio show in the early 90s that he did for free on public radio, radio in New York is the first place that anybody ever heard Nas, the Wu-Tang Clan, Notorious B.I.G., there's legendary freestyles with Jay-Z. If these people I'm telling you about are in his other movie, and there's a there's a point in the movie, Bobby, where he and Stretch sit down with Jay-Z and play Jay-Z the old freestyles from the radio show. Oh, no way. Tape. And it's really incredible. He just, he's a guy that, that has always meant a lot to me. And so the fact that the Mavericks made that happen for him and then also for me uh, was just really special to me. It was a special night, and I'm, I'm glad people... To, to dig it as much as I did. Yeah, it was so cool. Rock Rubber 45s, you can watch it for free, but if you download it, you have a chance to uh, to uh, send a little money and support because I believe Bobito just like self-produced it. He directed, everything, he wrote, he... Yeah, every, every, everything he's done, he's gone out and hustled for. Yeah. He is the ultimate uh, freestyle uh, entrepreneur. Freelance entrepreneur is what he is. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he is self-funded, so go out and support him. Yeah, it's crazy. It is an awesome movie, so definitely go check it out. Okay, Skin. Yeah. The Mavs finished preseason, thankfully. It was fun. It was fun. I liked preseason basketball, but it's over now. So now that the four games are done, obviously regular season starting tonight. But what are, I guess if you were to talk to someone who did not see a single second of preseason basketball, and I'm sure there's at least one person listening to this podcast who did not, what would you tell them happened in the preseason? Who are a couple of people that might have stood out to you? What is your uh, what is what is your one to two hundred word essay on what transpired in the exhibition season? I think you know the thing that really stands out for me more than anything, Bobby, is the way that the team played against a finals contender twice in China without two of their starters, and one of those starters being DeAndre Jordan, who is so important into that change that you alluded to at the beginning of the podcast. The, 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 uh, there's a Kevin Pelton article. Did you have a chance to read the ESPN column yesterday about how to watch Luka Doncic? Have you seen this yet? Uh, I did not read the column, but they made a video, and I watched the video. And the video was awesome. Okay. Uh, Kevin Pelton pointed out, and I want you to ponder this. This is the Mavericks, right? That they've never been the athletic team and blah, blah, blah. Kevin Pelton, and I'm paraphrasing because the article's not in front of me, said the Mavericks have the best rim-running combo or duo in the entire NB frickin' A. Wow, DeAndre and Dwight Powell? Out that Powell? Powell's the most efficient, and DeAndre Jordan. And the other thing, too, that I'm excited about, Bobby, is all these national guys are writing about Jordan and what he does for the Mavericks without realizing that he's 15 pounds lighter than last year and looks absurd. Absurdly athletic and quick. He does. So the the Tyson Chandler comparisons are real, uh, and to have Powell working, I mean Powell played great against Embiid as the starter out there. So I'm I, I think that's what stood out to me the most. I know people are going to talk about Dennis and Luca, and I get it, you should. But I'm looking at because I think the team can make the playoffs, and I realize people go, oh, you stupid homer, that's a 28 jump and drop, blah blah blah. So, but I believe it earned it. So I'm looking at their weaknesses and looking at ways in which they can falter outside of injury. And for the Mavericks to do what they did against that particular team, 
that was playing their starters in China said it more than anything about anything else to me at the preseason. So I'd like to hear what you uh, grabbed out of that. Yeah, so just a little more on DeAndre. Um, I know the cameras don't catch everything, even if you watch the games on TV. But those two games at American Airlines Center against Beijing and against the Hornets, basically after every whistle, every stoppage of play, every timeout, DeAndre was talking to Dennis. He was talking to Luca. He was talking to Dorian Finney-Smith. Anyone on this roster who was younger than him, he was teaching them something, you know, making them laugh. Yeah. There's a picture I posted on Twitter uh, yesterday morning where Dennis is kind of hunched over. looks like someone's shooting a free throw, and DeAndre's just coming up behind him, just whispering something in his ear, just letting him know. I mean, we, we have these things uh, whenever we edit video after the game. It's called a melt, where basically it takes every Fox camera in the arena. Um, they record the entire game, so it's like a two-and-a-half-hour cut of the game with every angle of every play, and you get every mic, everything. And uh, there's one play in the first game, like the third play of the Beijing game. Uh, there was a pick-and-roll coverage, and I think, you know, Dennis might have zigged and DeAndre zagged or something, and, and the shot goes up and they miss. DeAndre gets the rebound, and as he's getting the rebound, you know, the, the arena has those mics on the, uh, the rim. You can yeah. hear DeAndre saying as he's jumping for the rebound, hey, listen to me, Dennis, listen to me. And it's just crazy that, like, mid-play, he's saying, like, hey, man, like, you know, keep your ears on. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I got you, you know. Okay, this is great, Bobby, because I think I remember this play, um, and I think I remember it well. And I thought that, because I was doing games, I thought what, I remember when he was talking to Dennis while getting the rebound. And what I thought, right, I didn't see it while getting the rebound, I thought after. And what I had assumed was that he was mad, it's not mad at Dennis, but telling Dennis, you've got to release because I have the rebound. Dennis had come back like they teach you. Oh, like high. go, go. But yeah, in junior high, it's, hey, make sure to run back to the big man and take the ball from him. But that's not what modern basketball is. Modern basketball is the guy's got it to a mm. because we're putting pressure on the transition defense. And so I had perceived that he was trying to get him to run out in transition. But I think you're, you got a better beat on this. He was teaching the blown coverage at that moment while it was happening. Really yeah, and hey, it might have been transition. He might have been saying, go, 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 and Dennis didn't, and then he's saying, yo, listen to me. You know, I mean, he might have been, yeah. it could have been about anything, but I think the no matter what it was, you know, everybody that is employed by this team will rave to you about how vocal DeAndre's been in right. practice, during games. He is always talking, and uh, Rick is not the kind of coach that has time for guys that are just like clowns all the time. And DeAndre is really funny, but if he was just telling jokes all the time, Rick wouldn't be praising him. You know what I mean? No. So no. he did you did you, uh, did you think like let me take you back to six months ago? Did you think he was wishy washy weird guy? I did not think that they were going to be comparing him to Tyson Chandler six months from now. No. Okay, that's well said. I, I want to throw something out there because I'm thinking a lot about this. Um, number one, I think it's great that the Mavericks didn't sign. Ultimately, I mean the last not been fun brother but I think it's great that they did not get him when they did because it's funny how fate works had they done that I'm sure we would have signed Chandler Parsons to a big contract and as someone who genuinely loves Chandler Parsons I love the guy he, he was great to me personally he was great to a lot of people in the organization there's lots of people that can pull you aside and tell you great stories about what a sweet guy he was 
hindsight, it's great that all that worked out the way that it did. And also, the other thing about it is that it's obvious that DeAndre at that time had some things he needed to work through. And I think what he needed to work through was a season without Chris Paul in his frickin' ear. Absolutely. So he could grow a little bit more. And there's a sweet irony to all this because now DeAndre can impart to young Dennis some of the things Chris Paul did right that worked because he saw it firsthand and Dennis can use that to grow because Chris Paul is obviously someone who looks up. Yeah. Well, and just think about it too. I mean, it's the it's the stage of his life. Like whenever DeAndre was a free agent in 2015, he had just turned 27 years old. He'd only finished, I think, his like his eighth season in the NBA. So he was still trying to forge his identity. He at that point he hadn't made an All Star team. I don't even think he'd made an NBA All NBA team. He might have made one, but I mean that was kind of like the his chance to become a guy in the league. You know, the guy right. potentially on his team. Right. But now, three years later. He's 30. He's got a kid. This is the last. He's he's on a one-year contract. This is potentially the last chance he has to get a long-term deal. I mean, this is a different stage of his life, and uh, so not only is he playing with different teammates, but he's he's at a different he's a different person himself. You know, life has taken him in uh, in a different direction. He's grown up a lot, and uh, I mean, maybe we were maybe our perception of him from a distance was wrong too. I mean, maybe. Yeah, you I see on the so. floor, he's kind of a, you know, he can be a goofball at times, especially whenever the team is winning. But, uh, I mean, maybe he he does mean business. Maybe he always meant business off the floor. I mean, I, I don't know. But uh, yeah. being this close to him in a short period of time, let's be honest, but being this close to him has really kind of opened my eyes and changed everything that I thought about him, especially yeah. three years ago, but even six months ago, like you said. I'm, and I, I'm really now that I've seen him up close and seen how he moves. I'm all on board with the nice four-year deal or whatever happens at the end of the offseason. Now, hey, the Mavericks have played the second of regular season basketball yet, so let's see what happens when there's injuries, adversity, and all those things. But the prognosis going in is that, man, what a great fit he is. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, A couple more quick hits from the preseason. If you did watch, you already know uh, Dorian Finney-Smith started for Harrison Barnes. Maxi Kaliba basically played the Dirk role um, off the bench. If you did not watch, you're probably not even actually even if you did watch because I wasn't even aware of their numbers. You're probably not aware of what those guys actually did. So I'm gonna read you their their stats and their split skin, uh, and then I want to talk about Dorian and, and Maxi for a little bit. So Finney Smith in 24 minutes a game as the starting basically power forward, small forward, whatever forward, uh, yeah, yeah. the starting Barnes forward basically, um, eight points. So humble, but. Uh, 52.4% from the field, 41.7 from three, 83.3 from the free throw line, four and a half rebounds, one and a half assists. That's that's pretty pretty dang solid. I mean, 50, 40, 80 with a few rebounds and an assist. I mean, that's that's pretty darn good, man. I think it's exceptional, and I think the number one thing too that the statistical line doesn't show, but for the folks that didn't get to see it, he played himself and he played within himself very confidently. It's not like he was afraid to do certain things because he thought it was outside of his ability. He just played his role very, very well. And my favorite moment of the preseason was in transition when he took it to the bucket, sucked in defenders, and made a perfect on-target, on-time pass to Maxi Kleba for a trail of three. 
and it was like one or two possessions after Luca had done the exact same thing. Yeah. And that is tremendous growth from a guy that when you first got here, you're like, man, he can defend and rebound, but Scott don't pass at the ball. He looks like a completely different player. And last year was a washout for the poor guy. And I really think that we have another Dwight Powell on our hands in terms of we recognize the talent, we get him in the organization, and then we develop the player and he's the right kind of guy. He's a great kid. I'm very excited for him. I think he's a, a, a player. And I'm sure there's uh, you know, people listening that saw the Rick Carlisle comment yesterday, I think. I know I saw Dwight, uh, I'm sorry, Dwayne uh, Price tweeted out, and maybe some others did, maybe you did, I didn't see, but how he said if they redid the draft, he might be a top 10 or 15 pick. So when I saw that, I was like, Lord have mercy, Rick not prone to that kind of hyperbole. Yeah. Well, I pulled up that draft, and 15 ain't that outrageous, homie. That's the year that Michael Brogdon won uh, Rookie of the Year. Ben Simmons was obviously hurt. You look at the top of the draft, we're all huge Brandon Ingram fans on and on. But, man, when you start getting down to 14 and 15, I don't think it's that crazy to go, man, if Dorian continues on the path he's on, that's a good mid-round, first-round pick right there. Yeah, after- absolutely. I-, I think he can play. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a really good starter on a championship caliber team, but I sure as hell think he's an eight or nine rotation guy that makes important plays. After that comment, actually, uh, Mike Marshall and I pulled up the draft and went down the list, and basically any player that was even like a tie, we gave the other player the nod, you know? And um, the lowest that we could get Dorian was like 17th or 18th in that draft. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and that's I mean, like being I, skeptical. I had the same reaction. I started interrupting, but I had the same reaction until I pulled up the draft. I was like, Rick, Rick knows what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. He knows what he's doing. And it's just little that's things. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Uh, you, you talked about confidence. It's little things like whenever he feels like he's open, making himself a target, holding his hands up. I mean, it was kind of, and I don't want to try and get in the guy's head or anything, but his rookie season, it was kind of a whirlwind. He was undrafted. Uh, he didn't have a guaranteed contract. All of a sudden, he's thrown in the fire and becomes the guy that plays the most games on a losing team. And so I think he was kind of like a little shocked at how quickly he became an important player. But, um, I mean, he like is stepping into these shots knowing that they're going to go in. I mean, it, it, it is a, he's a very, very confident kind of within himself uh, kind of player. And I think he's only 25, maybe 26. I think he might even be a few days older than Harrison Barnes, which is really weird. But um, he's still got plenty of room to grow, man, and I think we're going to see it. Um, he's the Bruce Bowen success story. Absolutely. Uh, Maxi Kleba, too, by the way, in 18.1 minutes per game, skin, 10.5 points, 52% from the field, 50 from three, 91.7% on free throws, six rebounds, and one and a half blocks. Uh, so if you know, you know about Maxi Kleba, as the great Pusha T once said. If you don't know about Maxi Kleba, though, it feels like you're about to find out a lot about him because he was like he was arguably the best non-Luca, non-Dennis, non-DeAndre player on the team this preseason. Well, you know, he had momentum going into the preseason from all the shining he did with the German team. Uh, I'm sure everybody at least on the internet that game winning lob he got from Tim Schroeder. Um, but I think from, for me personally, the first time I walked into the practice facility and saw the trajectory on his shot, I, I got real enthusiastic. Because that was his biggest problem last year, was he was shooting a flat shot, and so he wasn't shooting it with range. 
and he needed to be able to do that because the times he's on the floor, he's not going to be the role guy. Powell's going to be the role guy. So in our offense, he needs to be the big spacer. And his shot looks so much better. And I, it's preseason, not freaking out, but we saw it manifest itself in the preseason. Uh, last year, we loved the way he rebounded, and we loved the way he defended out in space on the pick and roll after switches. That was the most, you know, shocking or surprising or whatever the word is saying from last year is because quite frankly I knew nothing about him and so when we signed him I was like oh Donnie's going to have fun in the legends mm-hmm. and then he was a contributor and so but the, the moment where I saw him there was a couple possessions remember against Golden State where he got switched off on KD yep. he didn't shut down KD but he hung and that was when he was like what, what? so what's the deal with the pretty guy he's a really good looking guy <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I'm with you I think that but it's not too like those guys on an island. In other words, you know, if I'm building my team and I go, okay, I got Dorian and Maxi, it's not that. It's you're asking these guys to be your eighth, ninth, tenth best players along with some other really good players. And it's a, it's a context thing that puts anybody in position to shine. Remember the contributions Trevor Ariza made as a young player playing around other great players. You know, or I can even take you back to Michael Finley's rookie year playing with Barkley and those guys. If you take a good young player uh, that's got some growth, but you put him on the floor with other you know, really good veterans or exceptional players, it puts them in a position to succeed. And I think Dorian and Maxi are both guys that have been put with this roster in a position to succeed. Absolutely. Dude, there is nothing wrong with being the fifth best player on the floor. If you're a good fifth best player on the floor, you will keep that's it. The, uh, the, that's the name of my uh, biography, the fifth best player on the floor. Hey, there you go. I always, I always look at it like, all right, if I'm on the floor and I'm the fifth best player, I think we have a chance. Absolutely. You found yourself in a good position. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, last thing about Luca. Uh, I, I did this video, uh, this series called The Film Room. I'm going to be doing more of those this year. I made one about Luka Doncic. That is going to be on Mavs social media. Uh, all around the internet and on YouTube and everything, so check that out. It's mostly about transition, just the Mavs trying to play faster, and uh, a couple fancy Luka highlights, so definitely check that out. Um, Skin. Playoffs happen every year in the West, uh, and every year it is like it's a war just to to get to 500 in the West. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in the East. Last night Boston played Philly. Boston looked really, 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 really good, so... Uh, I think it might be their time out east, but in the West, man. I'm on, I'm on record, Bobby. I'm on, I don't care what happens in the West. Barring injury, I'm on record. Boston wins the NBA championship this year. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, I've been very vocal about this on my various media platforms with radio and all this crap. Uh, I don't care how boogie fits in or whatever. Uh, I think if they stay healthy, they're poor guys. I mean, obviously, if Kyrie goes out, all right, whatever. But uh, if they stay healthy with their core guys, they're my pick to win it all. Yeah, I mean, dude, they're deep. They're incredible. How's it? It must feel really great to bring Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart both off the bench. Those are two of the best young guards in the NBA, and they're your backups. So I don't even know what his position is, but Marcus Smart is a damn winner. If you watched that Boston Philly series last year when Boston eliminated Philly, all the crucial plays down the stretch were made by DFW's own Marcus Smart. Yeah. That dude is like a mini Draymond Green. Uh, he just, oh, he's got a busted shot. He's not a real point guard. 
him out there and would go win the game. It's amazing the impact he has on the floor. Yeah, yeah. So Boston, I, I, I think I'm with you. I mean, I'm with you insofar as I think that Boston is going to the finals, almost yeah. no matter what. I mean, last year they lost their arguably their two most important scorers in Hayward and Irving, and they still made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, uh, Game 7, I believe. So, even if one guy goes down, I think they're still going to the Finals. Um, But, I mean, man, Jason Tatum's really good. Jalen Brown's really good. They got potentially two more lottery picks coming to them this season. It is just absolutely absurd what is happening in Boston. So, it makes me mad. But hopefully it helps balance out the league because – the West is looking murderous as always. Um, I, I don't, last night it's tough to draw any conclusions about OKC. It's tough to draw conclusions about any team from one game, especially whenever Russell Westbrook's not playing. Uh, Schroeder looked pretty good in that game against the Warriors. The Warriors looked pretty good because they are pretty good. I think that's safe to say. Golden State obviously lock. OKC probably a lock to make the playoffs. I, I would. Think they're, I think they're. I mean, we always say this. I, I can quit saying Barry. I think OKC the most likely team to be the three seed is not the Lakers. Okay. I feel, I feel really bullish on OKC. I think they're Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of all aboard the uh, Utah Jazz train. Although yep. you talk about injuries, that's I mean Gobert has missed time. I believe each of the last three seasons without him. Uh, they really struggle, but with him, they play like a 60-win team. So I guess it just depends on how much Gobert they can get. And obviously, you never wish injury on anybody. Uh, I hope everybody plays all 82 games. But uh, in the event that Gobert is injured, then Utah could struggle. But, I mean, if he's healthy, they're, they're to me, at least like a 50-55-win team. Um, I think to your point, Bobby, real quick, you missed a lot of games early last year. And then, remember, they had that incredible run on the back half of the year to position themselves. And he has a similar impact on that team that I think Millsap and all those games had on Denver. So if you have a full season of Millsap and Denver last year, they're a lot for the playoffs. If you have a full season of Gobert, who knows how high of a team you don't get. So I think you're way on point with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're bringing up the Denver uh, Denver Nuggets. is a, a pretty good segue. Not the Denver Broncos as uh, that, that funny Twitter video of uh, Dick Stockton saying, like, the Rams taking on the Denver Nuggets next. It's pretty funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, so eight playoff teams in the West. You can see them or you don't have to. Either way is fine with me. Um, but I kind of wrote them out in the order that I believe they'll finish, uh, and it just well, so happened. Can we, get, can we get yours first? Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. Uh, make amendments that I believe uh, accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the Warriors, Jazz, Thunder, and Nuggets are four of my top five teams. Uh, I have Houston finishing second. Uh, so Warriors first, then Houston, then Utah, although I think those two teams could easily be flipped. Um, then uh, the OKC Thunder finish at fourth, the Nuggets finish fifth. I think the big key for the Nuggets this year, they're obviously going to win at least like 35 games at home, just like they do every year. But can they get close to 500 on the road? I think, and this might sound stupid, but I really believe it, I think Paul Millsap is actually going to help them win a lot of road games. Because he plays defense and he's just like a give the ball to him and slow the game down kind of guy, and wow. um, sometimes you need that on the road, especially when you got a lot of young teammates, particularly in the backcourt. So I think he's going to help them win some road games. And Denver, that's been their bugaboo for basically as long as they've been a franchise. But 
you got to win like at least 18 or 19 road games to be a top five team in the West for sure. Um, so Nuggets fifth, then I got the Lakers sixth. I know that's low because you, uh, you've had them as high as third, uh, various points in the off season. Then I got the new Orleans Pelicans seventh. And then this is where it gets interesting, man, because between the Blazers, the Wolves, of course, the Spurs and your Dallas Mavericks, I think there's four teams gunning for one playoff spot. And um, because it is opening night and because I'm optimistic and I've watched Luka Doncic play four times and I'm absolutely head over heels in love, I got the Dallas Mavericks eighth skin. I'm ready to party. It is happening. Blazers ninth, Wolves tenth, then Clippers, and then after that it's just kind of whoever. Okay, so the connection broke up on me for a second, so I want to make sure I have this right. You have Portland and San Antonio in. No. Minnesota. No? No, no, no. Mavs eighth seed, so... Warriors, Rockets, Jazz, Thunder, Nuggets, Lakers, Pelicans, Mavs. Wow. Um, because I love Luka Doncic. Uh, I, I, I hope you. I hope you heard that part. I do love Luka. Yeah. No, no, no. I know that. I actually, man. I'm not. I swear to God, I'm not bandwagoning with you here. Uh, I think that's pretty much what mine is too. But I think there's a little, maybe variation. Obviously, you know, I like the Lakers more between Dallas. And New Orleans and Portland and Minnesota and San Antonio. I'm with you. Two, of, you know, three of those teams aren't in. Two are, and I think that's where that level is. I, I actually think, you know, I know people are interested in the Clippers, and I get that. And I'm not insinuating in any way that a team is trying to lose. Uh, but if the Clippers make the playoffs, they can say they're picked to Boston. Don't think they want to do that, and I don't think I think they know they're not good enough. So I'd be really surprised. So I'm taking them out of the mix. Now, San Antonio is a very interesting team to me because San Antonio is not some like mid-range team. Like That's what they're trying to do. And their two best players are mid-range players in LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. I don't know how well. DeMar DeRozan is a career 29% three-point shooter. I do not know. I think Popovich is maybe the greatest coach in all of sports. I just don't know how that thing works itself out with Murray hurting himself and missing the year. I just, I know they're San Antonio. They have a lot of older players. I just don't see how that works out, dude. I think that this is the year that San Antonio finally falls out. I'm with you there. Portland was a three seed that got swept. And it's a sad, sad thing. They just lost their owner. I feel like they're going to be one of these teams that feel like they've peaked and they have to make moves to change the direction of their franchise. So I think it's likely they're out. And then Minnesota, what what is going on there? Can someone pull me aside and kind of explain that to me? I mean, I think that is right to fall apart. And so, you know, I, I realize it's a math podcast. We sound like homers, but those are the legitimate reasons that I feel like the Mavs and the Pelicans are in and those other three teams are out. Obviously, those things and it all comes down to health, but I, I, I'm with you. That's my exact same top eight. I just have a different order in there. Uh, but I do think that we're talking about a level of five teams, the Pelicans, Mavericks, T-Wolves, Spurs, and Portland, that are probably separated by a total of three games from one to five, and those top two teams get in. Yeah, well, and, and the whole conference, I mean, you could really say this with confidence, actually, the entire conference is in a holding pattern until that Jimmy Butler situation gets resolved. 
because right. last season the Wolves played at like a 53-win pace with Butler, which would have gotten them a top three or top four seed. So, I mean, whenever Butler was healthy, they were really dang good. But I don't know how many games Butler's going to play for them. I mean, apparently he might be on the floor whenever the, the Wolves come to town this Saturday. I mean, that that may or may not be the case. Their preseason was uh, was pretty anemic. I think. I mean, that's that's fair to say they were they were struggling on offense uh, without Butler this preseason, and I just don't know what's going to happen with them. So if he does get traded to another team in the West, like let's I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's you can't really speculate too much. But if he goes to a team like the Clippers, well, then the Clippers join the playoff race. But if he goes to a, yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, but if but, he but also, you know, I look at I look at it from the standpoint of so what is it the Clippers are going to give. No offense to anybody in a Clipper jersey. I'm talking about building a team. Mm-hmm. And so and so when I look at it and I start looking at these packages, I'm going, they've got to make a deal with the Heat, right? Like, of the teams that are interested, I don't know what else you're going to get that's going to be better than whatever the rumors about what the Heat are offering. Are. Yeah, the rumored it was like Josh Richardson, who is really, really good. Really good. And I, I don't know if people know enough about him, but he is really good. He's a, he was, I'm trying to remember where he went in the draft. He was late lottery, right? Like I think he might have been a second-round pick, man. Richardson was? Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay, well, screw me. Yeah, but he uh, he only averaged, I think, like 13.5 points per game last year, but he is really good. And honestly, I think he'd be a really good fit for the Wolves, too, because he's still pretty young, and he really plays defense on the perimeter. I mean, he's he's kind of similar to Butler in many ways. He's just obviously not at that level as a scorer. But, uh, right. yeah, he's really good. So, yeah, that Miami trade would be pretty good, I think, for Minnesota. And if they were able to pull that off, I think that would help them re-enter the playoff race because as long as that cloud is hanging over them, I think it's going to be tough. I mean, you got to win 43 to 46 games at least to get the eight seed, and that's, that's a lot of games to win whenever you're kind of in this uh, purgatory state. But uh, to the Mavs, I think for, for their case – I think a lot of the teams that they're vying for that playoff spot with, they have questions, injury questions or uh, team makeup questions, chemistry questions, all that stuff. And the Mavs aren't completely healthy. Harrison Barnes is not going to be playing at least this game. Dirk is out for at least two weeks. So we don't know when those guys are going to come back. I think Barnes will be obviously much sooner than Dirk, and I think he'll come back sooner than later. Um, but I think they're equipped to deal with short-term absences from those two guys uh, as long as it doesn't turn into like a Seth Curry six-month injury situation. Right. Um, they don't have any chemistry issues. Uh, they are playing a young point guard and a young wing, whatever you want to call Doncic, but Doncic is not really young. He's just young uh, if you look at the calendar. Dennis grew a lot last season, so you know while he's still learning things about defense, he knows how to run a team, so like I just think their questions are less um, less important. I, I don't know yeah. if that's if that's a fair way to say it. I, I think they have smaller uh, obstacles to overcome, smaller hurdles to overcome if they want to be a team that's going to finish around 500. And for that reason, I think that puts them at an advantage over teams like San Antonio, Minnesota, uh, especially those two, and possibly even Portland. Because like you said, man, they were the three seed. They got swept, and they didn't really – make any moves to get better. I mean, Zach Collins, I think, could get a little better, but they're basically the same team as they were last year. The Clippers lost DeAndre Jordan, who's 
you know, and, and Blake Griffin and Chris Paul in the last year. Those are the three best players ever. So I think, you know, those other teams that the Mavs are, are, are jockeying for position with are all starting at a disadvantage compared to Dallas. If Doc Rivers gets the Clippers in the playoffs, this will be, to me, a greater success than when he won Coach of the Year for getting that Orlando Magic team in the playoffs that had, like, B.A. and Ben Wallace and all those guys. Yep. That will be, like, the most ridiculous coaching job of all time. If he gets, and it's not because I think the Clippers suck or whatever. I look at what they have, and I look at the West, and dude, if he pulls that off, good God, what a coaching masterpiece. Yeah, I mean, they do have some players. They got Tobias Harris, Danilo Gallinari, Lou Williams, but, I mean, I, I don't know, man. It just feels like you got to have, you got to have. He did not name a star. Yeah, I mean, I I stand for Tobias Harris. Yeah, I, I love Tobias Harris. I think he's really, really good, but I think you're right. I mean, you got to have, in the West, it is so difficult that you have to have at least one guy that can possibly flirt with all NBA level. I mean, the Mavs have theirs in DeAndre Jordan, and they got a couple, I think, borderline all-star caliber players in DeAndre, Harrison Barnes. Who knows about Dennis and Luka, but we think they're going to be pretty good too. So, I mean, I think the Mavs have more The Mavs have more 80-pluses on 2K, and I think the Clippers had a lot, had a lot of high 70s. But uh, in order to win, you got to have a couple of those, like, transcendent talents. And I think the Mavs actually have some who aren't Dirk for the first time in a while. Okay, well that brings up the other idea. Gary Harris, Tobias Harris, Devin Harris, uh, Harris, marry one, kill one, seduce one. Oh well, obviously. No, no, no. Let's, let's do that. Let's do that another. Okay, okay. Okay. I was gonna say, don't get me started about Devin Harris, man. I I, lo- I love that guy. I love that guy. Um, marry him. Okay. Let's let's go back to something else. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get to that off mic. So tonight, season opener. I don't know when you're listening to this because I'm on West Coast time and it's I don't know the time difference and everything, but you're probably listening to this at some point in the afternoon, which means we are mere hours away from Mavs basketball. They're in Phoenix, taking on the Phoenix Suns. I got some good news for you, Skin, and I, I have some decent news. The good news, Isaiah Cannon is back for Phoenix. Uh, I believe he's going to start at point guard for them tonight, which is really cool. Uh, if you remember back to last season, whenever the Mavs were in Phoenix, actually, uh, Cannon suffered a horrific injury to, I believe, his ankle or his foot. Uh, basically, a complete fracture, kind of like Gordon Hayward. It was it was really, really, really sad and upsetting uh, injury to see, and, and um, apparently he's back and ready to go. So that's awesome for him. The decent news is that Devin Booker is healthy, and I say decent because I feel great for Devin Booker. I hate seeing guys miss time, especially players who are as good as him. But what makes it decent is that he's healthy against the Mavs, and every time Devin Booker plays the Mavs, he turns into Alec Peters and just completely goes off. So that's kind of where the decent comes in. But all in all, I mean, Booker missed the entire preseason. I don't know how much practice time he's gotten in. Same with Isaiah Cannon. So I think Phoenix will be maybe working out a couple kinks here and there. Uh, You could say the same thing about the Mavs, too. Obviously, it's the first game of the regular season. They only played four preseason games, but... Uh, just generally, what are you thinking about this game? How are you feeling? Give me a precise score prediction that you will, uh, you know, carve into a block and show to the world. Okay, Trevor Ariza is healthy, right? I'm. Uh, I, I haven't heard otherwise. I, was yeah, he hurt? Okay. Uh, but the thing I'm most interested in, going into each game, is who does the other team's coach put on Luca? And I think Trevor Ariza draws that tonight. 
he's a, a lead defender that's a veteran defender. And that's right off the, right from the jump. Mavericks launch their season, and the other team goes, we have to put our best defender on that 19-year-old rookie. Mm-hmm. That's freaking awesome. It is. Love that. Uh, obviously, Devin Booker, like, remember that game at the AAC down the stretch? I believe it was not last season, the one before where he was, what he scored, like, their final 11 of their 13 points to win the game. And Wes was, like, suffocating him. Yes. And uh, he's an amazing player. I'm interested in watching him. But the whole fact that the Suns really don't have a good point guard situation is going to hamper them. Um, I think the Mavericks are going to be jazzed to go. I think DeAndre Jordan's going to be really excited to show what he can do against the new DeAndre taking over the league. I, I think that the Mavericks play to the best of their ability. They're jacked up. I think they win this game, like... Give me 111 to 105, and um, and I, they start the season with a bang. They know, DeAndre doesn't know this, and Luca doesn't know this, but all the guys on that team know what a disaster last year was when we started the season with Sacramento and Atlanta, and, and you know, spit the bit on that, and you look up and you're 2-12 and 12 or whatever it is. Those guys know it. They're dialed in. They are ready to prove it. And I think it's going to be a show tonight. And I think even though it starts at 9.30 Dallas time, I think everybody tomorrow on Sports Talk Radio is going to be buzzing about the Dallas freaking Mavericks. Give me a 111 to 106. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds like an exciting game, man. And it feels like we're going to get more high-scoring games. Last season, there were, sure. there were too many games, even though they were close and competitive, and that's all good. Too many games where neither team scored 100. I mean, I, I need... I need like 110 at least, you know, especially for a late night game. West Coast basketball is fun, man. Let's let's pick up the pace. Let's play. I think the interesting thing about both of these teams is that even though they're very young, Phoenix, like every player on their team is a teenager. I think that's still that's still true. Like they don't have a single player over like 18 years old. It's wild. But they're both going to be starting traditional small forwards at four. So they're both playing kind of future ball. Like Finney Smith or Doncic, whoever starts a power forward for the Mavs, that's nominal. It doesn't really matter. Phoenix, I assume when completely healthy, they're probably going Cannon, Booker, Josh Jackson, Trevor Ariza, DeAndre Ayton, and then bringing in uh, Ryan Anderson off the bench with Mikhail Bridges, who I also was super high on around the draft time. So uh, they're playing small with two DeAndre-sized beasts in the middle, and uh, it is going to be some wild, wild basketball. I think the first team to go four possessions without scoring is going to lose because it is going to be a lot of offense. Booker is unstoppable, obviously, if his hand cooperates with him. But, uh, yeah, like you said, man, I mean, you you have to put your best player on Doncic, which is crazy. Uh, it could be Ariza, could be Josh Jackson, could be both. I'm sure they'll rotate. Uh, I don't know how the Suns are going to stop Dennis. Um, I don't know how they're going to stop the pick and roll. DeAndre Ayton's got a lot of praise for his defensive effort uh, throughout the preseason. But DeAndre Jordan is quite a handful. So I think it's, there's going to be a lot of fireworks. It's going to be a game that's worth staying up until midnight or 1230 in the morning to watch. Okay, I haven't seen any of Phoenix preseason. I have done some reading that maybe Josh Jackson would come off the bench. Really? What you're saying makes sense. But however, so they starting Anderson I, then? Well, if I was uh, if I was coaching that team, uh, I I would start the same line as you did. And you know what I do? I put a read on Doncic and I would put Jackson on Dennis. 
Yeah, that's probably what you have to do. That's probably what you have to do. And then put Booker on, I don't know, probably Finney Smith or West, and then Cannon Cannon on. And and the fact that Booker didn't get to really do preseason work, and him and Aiden have to figure out how to play together because they're going to be touching the ball every time now. Yeah. So, you know, in a lot of ways, we're going to watch Phoenix work out the teams tonight. Uh, So I just think that's an advantage for the Mavs. But but we shall see, baby. Yeah, I guess that thing up to play. Yeah, strategically, I guess it kind of makes sense to bring Jackson off the bench because Booker's going to handle the ball a lot. Jackson can kind of be the quarterback on the second unit because Phoenix really, they don't have many slash any point guards. I mean, they're, nope. they're a lot of guards, a lot of wings on that team. Uh, but it's exciting, man. I, I cannot wait. Like we were talking about 50 minutes ago, I'm so excited for Mavs basketball. Um, I keep checking the clock, like, when is the bus leaving? When can we go to this game? When am I going to get to see these guys on the floor? I want to see what shoes they're wearing. I want to see what kind of jerseys they're wearing. I want to see what the first play of the game they run is. I can't wait until DeAndre's first dunk. Like, all these things. I'm just like, man, this is going to be so much fun. I am so, so ready to go. Can I make a prediction for the first half-court play? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dennis Lobb. So, uh, like a lob to Dennis? Yeah, similar to the old Roddy Hoop. Yeah. I think Luca will throw the pass. A, a repeat of uh, a repeat of last season against Atlanta. Yes, absolutely. Oh man, I hope so. And then the second play, DeAndre Lobb. How about that? Why not? You know what's interesting, man? Well, God, there's some things to talk about, and I know we got to go. We need to wrap this thing. But yep. What about how many times early in the game, in the two games at the AC, DeAndre Jordan had the ball at the top of the circle as a guy looking for cutters? And there's an old ba- uh, adage in basketball about, hey, you got this shot blocker rebounder, you got to get him involved in the offense early. The Mavericks aren't going to be posting up DeAndre Jordan. And obviously a screen and roll is a way to get a guy involved. But I thought it was really interesting that Rick was getting him involved as a ball mover early in these games and cutters, guys working off of him, and DeAndre doing a really good job of passing the ball and finding guys. That is a way to get a guy engaged, involved in the offense, Yeah, gone are the days for DeAndre where he's only getting 10 or 15 touches a game. I mean, it's going to be 25-30. And uh, the good thing about him, man, whenever he gets the ball, if no cutter's open, hand it off to one of your guards and then run to the basket and get a dunk. Yep. Just get the ball right back. So uh, that's that's a way to involve a guy without making him the guy, you know. He's not necessarily yep. the fulcrum, but he's going to touch the ball almost every time down the floor. And that's that's great to see. That is great to see. Okay, Scan, like you said, we do got to wrap it up. I got to go get on a bus to go to shoot around um, because it, if I don't take video of these guys, then no one will. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Oh, hey, hope so. Uh, next week, we will be with you guys again on Wednesday. I don't know where the team will be. I feel like we're going to be out of town. So we might have to do uh, – we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll get with you, Scan, on uh, – on Tuesday, we can maybe record a little early after that Bulls game because the Mavs play the Wolves this Saturday and then the Bulls on Monday. Both games at AAC. You can get the tickets on Mavs.com. Come out to the game with us. Party. Watch some Mavs basketball. Stay up late with us tonight, Skin. Great talking with you, man. Cannot wait for Mavs basketball. It's finally here. It's Christmas morning. I'm ready to party. Um, so, yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining in via hologram uh, in my hotel room. And I uh, can't wait to catch up with you when we get back home, man. Yep, shout out to uh, Tupac Hologram and all the other holograms. Oh, my dogs are barking. That means we got to go. Oh, no. Have fun tonight. We'll catch you next time.
you next time. All right, all right. Thank you, guys. Numbers on the boards.